Wisconsin's Afternoon News is on the air. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. Here's John McCure. All right, happy Tuesday. Sandy Max is here. So is Greg Matzik and Debbie Lazica. Adam Roberts is producing the show this afternoon. How about we give away some Brewers tickets? I think the next Tuesday home game is July 4th against the Cubs. How about that? July 4th against the Cubs. We've got tickets now. Independence Day. Yeah. I think it's a four-pack of tickets, right? It is. Four to the 200 level. Ooh, nice. All right, let's do it. What caller number should we take? We've been saying four a lot, haven't we? We have. I could say 1776, but I won't. Uh, let's take <laughs> caller four for four, or excuse me, not caller. Oh, caller four or text caller four? four? Oh, caller four. Yeah, caller number four. There you go. So on the old National Bank Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. Give us a call, 855-616-1620. On the old National Bank Talk and Text Line, caller four gets four Brewers tickets Very in the nice. 200 level on July 4th against, the as Cubs. I like to call, oh, I say the Chubs, but... <laughs> All right, hey, let's uh, give people an update on how they can help make a difference during a very important time of year for the American Red Cross. Oh, you've been hearing there's a blood shortage. Yes. And you can make a big difference because only 3% of people donate blood when 37% are eligible to donate blood. So if you're walking around with some of that stuff in your body, I know you are. We all are. Would you please donate one pint at our WTMJ Cares Blood drive next week, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday at the Milwaukee County Zoo. WTMJ partnering with the American Red Cross and Gruber Law Offices. Uh, it is one of the biggest blood drives in the state all year, mm-hmm. and we've got room for you. Go to WTMJ.com. You can schedule an appointment that way, or you can text the word BLOOD, B-L-O-O-D. Text it to the old National Bank Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. When you text BLOOD to 855-616-1620, you get a link right back on your smartphone, so you can schedule that really easily. And a motivator, not only are you helping save lives and improve your own health by donating blood, you get treats. What do yes. we get? Juice and cookies after your donation. Nice, I like after that. you lay down for a little bit and donate some blood. Uh, you also get free same day admission to the zoo and free parking and have even more fun in your summer, a pair of summer fest wow. tickets. That's awesome. Small ways to say thank you for making a life changing difference. There is a blood supply shortage. Only 3% of people donate. You really do make a difference if you want to step up and donate for the very first time. Or if you're feeling a little sheepish, as you hear me enthusiastically encourage you to be part of our <laughs> WTMJ Cares blood donation because you realize it's been a heartbeat or two since you've donated. Welcome back. We want to see you. We want to have you there. Maybe come donate blood with a buddy. Make your appointment. WTMJ.com or text BLOOD to 855-616-1620. And I'll see you there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at the Milwaukee County Zoo next week. Such an important thing. It is 414 at WTMJ. The latest on that submersible that was going to view the Titanic wreckage and is now missing. A live report up next. Military assets from Canada and the United States continue to look for the submersible that was lost in the Atlantic, searching for the wreckage, looking for the wreckage of the Titanic and taking tourists there. ABC's Alex Stone is with us. Alex, I guess I want to start here, and it's kind of grim, but if this thing is on the bottom, and they probably would have seen it if it was bobbing in the water somewhere. Is there the technology currently available in the limited time frame left to perform a rescue? 
No, uh, maybe. So there's no known way to do this, uh, according to the, the Coast Guard and others, that they are working on plans. They've got the experts coming together and trying to figure out how they would do it. They are moving a lot of assets into the, the area of the Titanic wreckage site um, in case they, they do figure out where they are and then have to uh, do this thing. They have brought in a giant claw that theoretically could go down and, and get them, um, but that has been described as like playing the claw machine at the arcade that they would have to be right on, hit it dead on, two and a half miles down, scoop it up, and then pull it up all in the next day and a half before they run out of oxygen. And there is not a real good way of doing this. Nuclear-class submarines don't go anywhere near this deep. Nothing really that would be any sort of a a rescue vehicle can can go down there. Um, But they're holding out hope that they're alive and that they're going to figure something out. There are essentially war rooms right now trying to figure out if the word comes that they are on the bottom, if they get a ping, if they know they are down there. Uh, what would they do? And they're, they're working on all of that right now. I mean, think, you know, Apollo 13. We've all seen that movie where they're, uh, and know the, the real life story of how they came into rooms with pieces of, uh, of the spacecraft and tried to put it together and figure out how would they clean the air? What would they do? How would they communicate all of that? And a lot of that's going on right now. Alex, what do you think those passengers are experiencing right now? Well, I mean, if they're alive, uh, that likely there's, you know, it's very quiet and maybe very dark, uh, that they know they're running out of air. Even if they are on the surface, if they're bobbing around in the ocean, which is a one of the possibilities, uh, and they just haven't been spotted yet, that's why C-130s are doing loops, trying to see, did they, there is an, an emergency procedure to drop their weight and come back up. Uh, but they would still run out of air. They are screwed into this thing from the outside. There is no way, even if they can see sunshine, for them to get out uh, without somebody letting them out. So they would die that way as well. Uh, that There are um, several different emergency ways to get air. There is a scrubber on board. Then they've got emergency strips that they can hang from the inside that cleans up the air. Then they have scuba tanks on board. So they have uh, different ways to breathe. But they've got in total about 96 hours. They've got about 35 hours, 36 hours left. Not a lot. Time is running out. ABC's Alex Stone is with us on WTMJ. Alex, I know you've been investigating this and looking at all the different angles, and now we're receiving reports that there were warnings in the past that maybe this shouldn't be used for this purpose, and other correspondents that have been on there are talking about how they felt like it was jerry-rigged and not the most secure thing. What do we know about possible warning signs from the past five years? You're right. I, they, there were reporters who have been on board who were surprised that they drove it using a off-the-shelf video game controller on board, that there were off-the-shelf handles and things. and uh, But the actual uh, submersible itself was designed by NASA and other comp- and companies as well. Uh, this carbon fiber that 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 was high tech. But we know that there is a former employee who in a lawsuit claimed that that he was wrongly fired from the company OceanGate, the the owner of this thing, um, for exposing what he said were weaknesses in the the Titan submarine. He said it should never have been going to that depth back in in 2018 in this lawsuit, um, saying that that he had warned that a lot like an airplane, when you repressurize it a lot, that the carbon fiber in between the walls, that it would rip. 
and that they weren't looking for that, that that he said he was told the walls were too thick, they couldn't scan for it, um, and then he was fired, and then there were lawsuits, they settled, um, but the claim being that, that it would rip, and then there you would have a giant hole as you're going down, you pressurize, then it's at that pressure like a tin can, and it would just crush in on itself. If that's what went on here, we don't know yet. That is one possibility. It would likely have been a very quick death if that is what it is. Um, I mean, it would have been like holding a tin can and just squishing it. Uh, and that is potentially what went on. But but we don't know. Alex, I watched a BBC documentary on this earlier this year. And as soon as this headline broke yesterday, I was immediately reminded because I was fascinated that it was this small. And as recently as six months ago, this kind of mini documentary, it really was a rickety like PlayStation controller for navigation. And there was a very dramatic moment in this documentary where at first they didn't, they wouldn't be able to move the capsule and they were all disappointed, not just because, Oh, we're two and a half miles underwater, but they weren't going to see the Titanic. Then by a miracle, the navigation work, they saw the Titanic and you went from these people like being very somber and disappointed and scared to this elation that they all had of, this is exactly why they they felt complete after this, and they were in tears. So it it was just fascinating to see that drama unfold, and now find out that this controller for this navigation is still problematic. Yeah, and communication they routinely would lose communication. That's why it now appears it was about eight hours before anybody was notified that they were missing because they did go out of communication for four or five hours at a time, and that that wasn't unusual. Uh, sending essentially text messages from the ship above to the uh, the the craft down below to tell them how to turn uh, every I believe 15 minutes they would send a message to say go six degrees this way to find the wreck uh, that there was not an onboard there's no GPS they're too far down um, and then the the real possibility that they got snagged on something, that there have been other missions. Uh, there was an ex-ABC uh, News correspondent who went on a, a mission with a different company many years ago, and they had a very serious encounter of, of hitting part of the ship, and uh, they thought that, that it was over for them at that point, that there are currents under there that push you around and can slam you into things. There's any number of things that can go wrong. If it does go wrong, listen to this former passenger of Titan. He says nothing you can do. There's not much you can do if things go wrong because you are stuck in a cylinder at whatever depth you're at. They are there, and uh, the the company made it uh, a selling point that there was like a button that you pushed, and that was it. Uh, and then there was the video game controller. It wasn't, you know, a pilot sitting there. There was a pilot on board, but a pilot sitting there with multiple screens and different things and depths to know. Yeah, essentially, it was video game controller and, and go down. So uh, a lot we don't know. Uh, th- th- there is that, that hope that uh, the Coast Guard is holding out, that they're going to find them and, and rescue them. In another day and a half, that hope is really going to fade, and, and we're going to know likely that they're gone. ABC's Alex Stone. Thanks for the update, Alex. You got it. Thanks, guys. Wisconsin's Afternoon News on WTMJ. All right, so yesterday, about this time, we were getting word that there had been a shooting at the Juneteenth Day celebrations in Milwaukee. So this is how this played out. Parades, celebrations, families together, talking about history, community coming together as one. It was a nice day, and there's a lot of stuff going on.
But then when things were wrapping up, about 4 o'clock, the activities were officially supposed to end at 4 o'clock, shots rang out after there was an argument. It ends up that six people were shot. Six people were shot after an argument at the end of the Juneteenth Day celebration. It happened at 4.20. The gates officially closed at 4 o'clock. So as you can imagine, it was a sunny, nice afternoon. There were still a lot of people there. This is what Milwaukee's mayor had to say. I want for folks to know that Juneteenth was a safe event. Look, one person pulled out a gun and caused problems today after the festivities were over. Other than that, we had thousands and thousands and thousands of people here celebrating. Are you serious right now? It was a safe event because it happened as people were leaving? So if you're at Lambeau Field and you watch the game and nothing happens in the game and then you're walking out at the end of the game and shots ring out, was it a safe Lambeau Field? If you're at American Family Field and the game has ended and you're tailgating and the cleaning crews are working and shots ring out, was it a safe Brewers game? It was safe. It was anything but safe. It was safe maybe at 10 in the morning and at noon and maybe at 2 in the afternoon. Okay, those parts of the day were safe. But to say this was safe, I would describe it a lot of ways. Safe would not be on the list. And this is embarrassingly terrible for the city. I know leaders in the black community who won't talk about this today because they want us to feel positive about Juneteenth. And I already said at the beginning, it was a beautiful day and a lot of good things happened, and we should be proud of that. But to act like this didn't happen or it was safe? Last night on the Channel 12 News, they spent three minutes and 41 seconds talking about the shooting. They spent 59 seconds on the rest of Juneteenth. You know why? Because the news is that six people were shot at the end of the Juneteenth thing. And this is so unfortunate. We're the oldest Juneteenth celebration in the country, and we should be proud of that. People got shot at the end of our Juneteenth celebration, and we should not be proud about that. We should be embarrassed. We should be horrified. We should talk about it and not act like it didn't happen because we only want people to think about what happened at noon. This happened, and it was real. And I can guarantee you, people are going to think twice before they go down there again next year. And that is unfortunate because this is important to our community. This is positive. This is a big deal. But to act like when it's good news, it's a big deal and it's positive, and when there's a bad aspect, it's not, we don't talk about it, or we worse come out and say that it was safe? Safe? Man, I can't get behind that. Dr. John Raymond is the president and CEO of the Medical College of Wisconsin. He joins us live in the studio. Dr. Raymond, thank you so much for being here with us. Great to be here, John. I want to start with a question from a listener that just came in on the old National Bank talk and text line. I had a relatively mild case of COVID-19 for my only time about four months ago, but have lingering almost no sense of taste and smell. It's ruining my appetite. Plus, I fear I can no longer detect abnormal odors like gas or something burning. 
Does that mean I have long COVID? And if so, is there anything I can or should do? Yeah, uh, thank you for the question. The answer is yes, you have long COVID. The definition of long COVID is symptoms that persist four months after an infection. I'm sorry, three months after an infection or 12 weeks. So you're outside that window. Um, this symptom of losing uh, your sense of taste and smell is call, called hyposmia or anosmia. And the sooner you can get to a uh, rehab uh, for smell retraining therapy or olfactory therapy, the better your chances are of being able to restore some aspect of your sense of taste and smell because your nerves that uh, give you, transmit the images uh, for uh, taste and smell can be healed and they can also be retrained. But you really do need to go to um, an otolaryngologist as soon as possible. Good advice, and he raises a very good point. I mean, you want to be able to smell if you have a gas leak at home or something of that nature. That's a really nature. good point. And, you know, people do minimize a lot of the symptoms of long COVID if they don't have it. But even losing the sense of taste and smell, we enjoy a lot of what yep. we do by the food we eat and the things that we smell. So really important. Yeah, good advice. Dr. Dr. Raymond, you may have heard that next week at the Milwaukee County Zoo, there is a three-day blood drive. I have been encouraging people to join us. It's the WTMJ Cares Blood Drive. We're partnering with the American Red Cross and Gruber Law Offices. And even in researching, I think a lot of us know, hey, one pint of blood can save up to three lives. But I found out it even is good for one's own health if one is regulating, regularly donating blood and that sort of thing. But since I knew you would come to visit, I have to figure you have a wealth of knowledge on the benefit of blood donations. And I'm actually curious, like, do you have expe specific examples of how blood is used at Freighter? Yeah, and I would say these examples apply really to any hospital in the region. Uh, blood is, and blood components are essential for managing trauma, motor vehicle accidents, accidents that people have at home, mass casualty events, major elective surgeries, sepsis, leukemia, kidney failure, and, and sickle cell disease. And the, the need is really endless. And because the shelf life of blood products is relatively short, we need to have a steady supply of people that are willing to donate. Um, fortunately, we have one of the most distinguished and largest blood research institutes here in Wisconsin. That's the Versity Blood Research Institute. MCW shares about 30 faculty members with, uh, with Versity there. And they do research on uh, a whole broad array of different types of um, blood disorders. They do research on clotting and bleeding, blood banking, diagnostics, transplantation, immunology, sepsis, stem cells, and bone marrow transplantation. And we have right here in Milwaukee the largest repository of information about people that have received blood and marrow transplants in the world. All of the wow. U.S., all patients in the U.S. that have received a blood or marrow transplantation are in that registry. It's over 300,000 people. Wow. So we really are touching people's lives right here in our community and around the world with blood donation. Right. And in the summer, there's an acute need for more blood because people are traveling and maybe less likely to donate. And people have more accidents when they're outside. I'm a 20-gallon blood donor. I do give adversity. And I would um, strongly recommend that people either go there or go to your blood drive. 20 gallons. So how long have you been in the practice of regularly donating blood? Since I was 18 years old. Wow. That's awesome. That is impressive. Great. Are there any stories that come to mind about how you've personally 
seen blood donations being used. You used to walk the halls with the white coat. and <laughs> No, I still do. And uh, kidney patients need blood. And, you know, I'm, a, I'm a nephrologist, so many of my patients have had the quality of their life improved by having access to blood transfusions. But, you know, you always see little kids with leukemia or having a sickle cell crisis, and blood can be so very important to help those kids as well. well thank you for that good information about the really practical uses of how your blood gets used immediately as soon as you donate it. There is an, an immediate need. Yeah, text the word blood to the Old National Bank Talk and Text Line. We can get you signed up to help make a difference. Blood to 855-616-1620. Uh, Dr. Raymond, I want to ask you about something else that's been in the news. It's eclampsia. A Olympian died, they believe, during childbirth, and they believe that uh, it was at least in part due to eclampsia. What is that? Yeah, thank you. It's really important. Eclampsia is a life-threatening pregnancy-associated syndrome that can cause high blood pressure, headaches, leg swelling, seizure, and even death. Um, it's a disease of blood vessels, basically. And it, it can worsen very quickly. So what you really want to do is identify people that are at high risk. There is a syndrome called preeclampsia that happens before eclampsia. And that usually manifests after 20 weeks gestation with new hypertension or protein in the urine. You may have some leg swelling. Uh, those individuals really need to be monitored closely during their pregnancy. And people that are at a higher risk for having preeclampsia or eclampsia tend to be people who are obese, who had previous problems with in pregnancies, or are African-American or black. The rate of preeclampsia and maternal death in African-American and black women is some, somewhere between three and six-fold compared to Caucasian women. Mm -hmm. And this is actually a real problem here in Milwaukee. I want to ask you also quickly about the World Health Organization warning of the threats of emerging pathogens. And they're actually encouraging nations to work together to t try to prepare. What do we know about this? Well, first of all, I'll say good luck. Um, <laughs> I know. Everybody to work together was a challenge during COVID. <laughs> yeah. um, there's no specific threat, but basically the World Health Organization is asking the developed countries to be better prepared for the next pandemic. It wouldn't necessarily be a respiratory pandemic. It could be foodborne illness or a gastro intestinal pandemic, the um, the death rate could be much higher. And so they're trying to basically have people ready to prepare therapeutics and vaccines and to distribute them in a more organized way than we have in the past. Mm -hmm. yep. Dr. Raymond, what is your good news of the week? Yeah, I read a study that um, was very promising for people that have stroke or spinal cord injury that have lost the ability to walk. Basically, a group of scientists did a pilot study where they implanted electrodes in the brain of a living person, mm -hmm. and then connected those to pacemakers in the legs. And um, these people were actually able to just use their thoughts to be able to stand. Wow. So a lot of work needs to be done yet, but that was a proof of concept huh. that is extremely promising. That's amazing. It is. That really is good news. Dr. John Raymond is the president and CEO of the Medical College of Wisconsin. It's always our privilege to have you here. Thank you so much, Dr. Raymond. Thank you, John and Sandy.